Welcome back to Listening In. I'm here again today with Chuck. What's up? So today we're actually joined by two guests. <clears throat> ben. Howdy. And Austin's back. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, um, Austin's back for round two. You probably remember him from our Killers episode. Um, but yeah, today we're going to be doing things a little bit different. Um, ben has a little treat prepared for us today. And instead of just doing a deep dive on a specific song, we're going to be uh, looking into an artist. So with that said, uh, I guess you can you can uh, start leading us down this path of righteousness. Fantastic. Uh, well, thanks for the intro, Chuck and Stephen. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast with you. Uh, so today what we're going to be doing is... Uh, more of an artist profile than what you're typically used to hearing on this podcast. Uh, like Chuck said, uh, instead of doing it, so does that mean it'll be good? Oh, <laughs> well, I guess that's yet to be seen. Uh, but it's something that I think would be or is heard good, or heard. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a fun time, regardless. And I've picked an artist uh, to do sort of the. Um, initial deep dive because i hope you guys will pick this up and you'll do deep dives on other wait, artists wait you let mean, me guess it's the strokes it is the strokes <laughs> shout out shout out to julian what was our time how long did it take you guys i think it was 55 seconds when, we got to get it in otherwise we don't get our money when when i was listening to the podcast what what i immediately struck me was that we haven't done a deep dive on the strokes. The strokes just haven't gotten enough airtime. So we just need to to do that. And we're going to do that today. I completely agree. You're on the right podcast, we're, we're, brother. We're going we're to start in August 3rd, 1902. Uh, so when, when Julian, Julian was born. <laughs> when, when Julian, was they actually, said that in unison and it's scary. It was, it was actually Hector... Dusseldorf, Casablanca. Hey, shout out to Dusseldorf by Telemann. Oh yeah, true Telemann. Yeah, no, I, this is enough. We're we're not doing this. We're not doing. <laughs> stop entertaining. Okay, stop entertaining. We're not doing a strokes deep dive. I think. Uh, what? I think, I think, I'm leaving. I think Chuck and Steve have got That's that. It. That's covered. the rest of the podcast. We're done. I, I, I'm not about to, to step on their toes and and uh, Good. strain to strokes land. Um, so well, who are we going to be talking different about? Different strokes. Today? Yeah, different strokes. Is uh, we're going to be talking about Tom Waits. Uh, so Tom Waits is for a, no one. For Tom Waits for no one. Yeah. Wow, that's very original. I like. Uh, Tom Waits is a really interesting artist. Interesting. Uh, yes. <laughs> I figured I'd kick it off uh, appropriately. With the, the classic tropes. With the classic tropes. And so what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to expose this artist a little bit more to you. Um, sort of go over his styles of music because he touches a lot of different genres and a lot of different different styles we're going to kind of race through the songs we're not going to do a deep dive on the lyrics like uh, is typically done because i really want to touch on sort of the high level reactions and his sort of journey through the genres of existentialism of existentialism he's a very existentialist person this is kind of like steven Chuck and Austin react to Tom Waits. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, we're just stealing that format, but without the fun part of being able to see people's faces. Or, or the bad part of, of it being terrible. Or I happen to look at Steven. <laughs> <laughs> we do see each other's faces. Yes, yes. We, get, we get this, well, I mean, this pleasure. This is, this, pleasure. Over, this is all over a Zoom call, because we're not meeting in person. Of course. Of course. Forbid. God forbid we We're in the in concentration person. camp that is Chicago. That would be <laughs> illegal. <laughs> 
All right, so we're gonna kick this off. We're gonna just give a little information about who is Tom Waits. So Tom Waits has been in the music scene for a long time. Now define long. Wait, since uh, 1902? Well, he's, like Kyle Long? Well, he's 70 years old. What is that? Wait, wait, wait what wait, is wait. that? Re- Actually, I don't want to know. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I also <laughs> don't I'm so know. sorry for interrupting. <laughs> so Tom, Tom Waits is 70 years old. So he's been doing music since at least at least the seven, late 60s early 70s yeah. interesting uh some interesting of, some of his big no. big hits and big stuff if you can even call them that um because you know he's i, I would say criminally uh underrated or okay. maybe intentionally under or intentionally but we'll, we'll get there uh he is from pomona california so Where's that uh, it is in, in California. It's in LA County. Oh, okay. Oh. So it's right by LA. Um, it's less mainstream than Los Angeles. It's less mainstream. It's not. It's not LA. You know, he, he's he's not there. Um, but one of his main insp- inspirations was Bob Dylan. I was okay. actually going to mention Bob Dylan. You were saying sixties and seventies. Yeah. I love Bob yeah. Dylan. I mean, it, it's kind of hard, I think, to get out of the sixties and seventies without being influenced by Bob Dylan because he was just such a force in music. Right. And he proved that you don't need to have a good voice. And he proved that you don't need to have a good voice, and we're gonna we're gonna be looking at that with uh, with Tom Waits. Mm. Uh, he's interesting. He's, yeah, he's, he's mm, very interesting. interesting indeed. Uh, so he he started in the folk music circuit in San Diego. Folk, wait, wait, wait! Folk music. I've never like say that word again. Folk music. Oh, I heard folk music. <laughs> okay, okay. Not, not like polka, folka, like <laughs> folk music. So I heard was folk he, music. So was he in like the the um, Sacramento like coffee house music scene? And that's Sacramento is on the other side. Of the state. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the north side. Of San Diego's so he has on the nothing side. to do with cake. He has nothing to do with cake. <laughs> Why are we here? Yes. Ben so, just blamed your geography <laughs> references. Hey, it's okay. I'm pretty sure that. Okay, I'm not even going to go there because I'm referencing another podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, so you not guys don't know. And it's, it's not, it's not even not, from this guys. podcast. It's it, from a totally different podcast. It's from you a different what? episode <laughs> okay, of anyway, this podcast. I'm, I'm confusing myself. But yeah, so he, he started off in San Diego doing the folk music circuit there. Uh, and then eventually he moved to Los Angeles and he got signed by a record. And that's when he got his first deal. Don't you mean a label? A label, a record, whatever. <laughs> okay, um, no, I'll, like the disc. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, the so, disc itself. It like walks into a meeting room. So here. just just to sort of put his accomplishments into context, he does have some pulp, some pop culture references. Uh, for example, he sang both. Little Drop of Poison in the Shrek movie. Right. Is that Shrek 1? It was Shrek 1. Okay, yeah. No, Captain no. Hook's playing it on the piano. Yep. He's playing it on the piano. I think it might have been Wait. Shrek 2 because I think Maybe I just saw Shrek 1 and I don't remember Okay, Shrek that. 2. So he does, did Little Drop of Poison in the soundtrack for Shrek. Uh, and he also did Underground in Robots, which was another animated movie. Yeah, I like my yeah. That's little drop. I know, of I know, but I know exactly. Like, no, yeah, robots. I know what it's the evil robots. Yes. When they're like in the when they're all when working they're the on their metal factory. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Oh, cool, cool. So in in this pop culture reference, he's known for his very gravelly voice, his sort of very rough style, and and that is a big part of who his music is. But it it doesn't define him. Uh, and for more example of that, he was the one who wrote the soundtrack for Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart. He actually had a really close connection with Francis Ford Coppola, and he did a lot of music for him in general. So I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure who that is. 
Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. He's a pretty famous uh, filmmaker. Uh, some of the movies that you might be familiar with, I'm trying to think of the... I mean, it's okay. We don't have to focus too much on that. I was just curious because I am not familiar, but maybe I'd recognize a movie yeah, if you got I just want to see the... I don't want to say the wrong movie... Uh, so like he did we, we can edit that out no. he did Apocalypse <laughs> Now we'll this all he out. did The Godfather oh I like The Godfather uh, Patton he was the director for yeah. these movies so he's, wow. a, he's a pretty famous director so yeah Godfather Apocalypse Now One from the Heart Great Gatsby uh, Godfather Part 2 uh, Patton uh, so in the in the 70s really? and 80s he did just a ton of movies uh, and and amusingly enough he also directed the movie Jack which was the one starring Robin Williams about the mentally handicapped person, which was parodied by Tropic Thunder, Tropic Thunder mm. with Simple Jack. Oh, oh okay. yeah, I never yes. got that reference, yeah, but that makes that a lot reference. of sense. So Francis Ford Coppola, really famous film director, um, and and he has a pretty close connection with Tom Waits to the point where you know Tom did Tom uh, Waits on him. Tom Waits on him. <laughs> you want full retard, man? <laughs> so that, <laughs> never that, go full retard. <laughs> So th- that's, that's sort of his like pop culture connection where I think most people may – it's the most likely place that people would have been exposed to him. Uh, the second is that he's actually had a pretty reasonable acting career. Tom Waits? Yeah. He's been He's been in a fair like, – mm, he, he Interesting. Never, he never has much of a leading role. He usually does sort of cameos or small roles in the movies uh, that his friends or other associates are directing. Uh, one most recent example is if any of you guys have watched the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, oh yeah, okay, he is I remember. The prospector. Yeah, I do oh, remember. In the short. Right, right, right. No way. Yeah. All right, so, Mr. Pocket. Yes, Mr. Pocket. <laughs> or whatever, however he said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, exactly that's, it. Yeah, that's Tom Waits. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. He, he has an IMDb page. He's got a lot of entries on it. You can go check that out. Um, and I think one of the other interesting aspects about him mm. is that a lot of people suspect that one of his interviews, specifically it's a 1979 interview on the Don Lane show, which is one of those Australian late night shows. Uh, a lot of people think that that was the inspiration for Heath, Leather, Heath Ledger's Joker. Wow, that's and intense. It, that's interesting. It's it's hard. Interesting. It's hard to explain it, but I would recommend just go look it up. The Don Lane Show, Tom Waits interview, uh, and and give that a watch. And it's pretty compelling. He the, a lot of the mannerisms and uh, sort of vocal patterns and everything they're really s- kind of eerily similar. And that's, that's awesome. a, it's really interesting. That's awesome. And and with that, that was the podcast. Thanks for listening yeah. in. <laughs> and now back to the strokes. <laughs> exactly. So, so what, all of this is meant to just sort of give you a, uh, a little bit of background before we get into his music of who he is, the kind of things that he's done, where he started, uh, without getting... I, I could read you his Wikipedia page, obviously, but I'm not going to just read that to well, you. We could read it and then break it down. Yeah, <laughs> break word it down. by word. <laughs> well, also, wait, I just want to add really quick, because one thing, I'm not super familiar with Tom Waits, but I do remember stumbling across a cartoon that someone made of him. Where It's just like one of the most weird things I've ever seen in my life. I think it came out... I think it was the same people who made, like, um, 
uh, what's that like 80? The same people who made that movie Heavy Metal. I'm pretty sure those same animators, yes. they made like a little short with him in it where he's kind of just like a guy in like a street corner or something, just like dancing and kind of like singing to himself. And it's, I think, what I they, wish they made a movie. I think what they did is they took audio from one of his interviews or one of his shows and they animated it. But anyway, that's just another thing that is pretty fascinating. I'm sure there's no end to fascinating stuff about yeah, him. Yeah, once you know who Tom Waits is, you'll find him in a lot of really unexpected places. Um, I think one of the things that makes me the saddest is that he is not currently touring anymore. And uh, it, he's one of my bucket list performances to go see. So uh, if you ever hear this, Tom, and you want to have a concert uh, let me know or even uh, even want to come on a podcast or, yeah or, or if you want to come on a podcast uh that that would be uh fantastic uh so that that so we kind of set the stage for him so let's talk a bit about his music so we already mentioned he started on the folk music circuit in san diego right uh he didn't really stay in folk although he has a lot of folk roots i would say the majority of his music would most likely be classified as jazz he he does a lot of jazz a lot of his albums are jazz um but he ventures into blues into vaudeville and Mm. into a lot of experimental genres which i think kind of defy traditional definition and gender norms so um his his evolution kind of he started in that folk jazz he started as an ape he went on to Don't become we a all. music Yes, artist. exactly. That's literally every musician. And that's well, Steven's you contribution. Wanna, uh, you want to like, give us a sample of that right like, now? What, or, what type of music are you yeah, yeah, yeah. discussing? So, so I have this. I have, what music are you listening into? Yeah, so I have the progression. We're going to start sort okay. of early on in oh. the evolution, and we're going to move throughout. Uh, so we're going to We're going to see him go from ape to man. We're going to start with one of his jazz songs. Uh, it I, I would call this like a slow jazz. Uh, it, it's pretty. It's one of his pretty famous ones. It's called "Warm Beer and Cold Women." All right, that sounds like my kind of a uh, beer. Not All really. Right. So <laughs> let's uh, let's listen into that. All right, I'm ready. One of those nights, this warm beer. Cold women, no, I just don't fit in. Is there a joint I stumbled into the night? It's just how it's been. All this double knit strangers, the tin and vermouth, and the recycled stories. In the Naugahyde booths And the platinum blondes And tobacco brunettes I just be drinking to forget you And I light another cigarette And the pants play something But tell me why Nick Dreams are on me tonight. All my conversations now, I just be talking about you, baby. 
you guys collect your thoughts a bit but that was wow warm beer and cold Shout woman uh off of the album nighthawks at the diner so is that live 
That was a live performance. That yeah. was beautiful for yeah. it being live. It sounded, Honestly, the I, quality was... I never mm. questioned the fact that it was in a studio until I heard the clapping. Even that sounded kind of like it was edited in. So, shout out to his uh, sound guy and also shout out to his guy who's singing, which is him. Now, and also shout out to you if you listen to Vince Guaraldi because that's honestly who he... The style reminds me a little bit of that. Now, to be fair... Well, I, I guess I want to give a little context. Vince Guaraldi is the guy who made the music for Charlie Brown. Very iconic. He's, he's a, a pretty famous jazz pianist. Yeah, yeah, yeah like 80s exactly. jazz. Yeah. Um, like, to, to be fair, it was recorded in a studio in front of a live audience. So they had like all of the, the good accoutrement setup. of the a good studio, bro, yeah. the acoustics and everything. Right. Um, but they obviously they had a live studio. This was a live recording, uh, which you know, respect for live recording. I'm not sure. I mean, it's not something I've heard of any like bands that I listen to doing. Like they'll do like live stuff on the radio, but not usually in front of like an audience. I feel like the nature of jazz it it's almost like a rite of passage to do live recordings because so much of jazz is improvisational that it is kind of, you know, what what is a studio recording of jazz? Per right, se, it's like right? different every time. Right? I mean, it's like those existential questions we should be asking ourselves. What is a studio? Yeah. What is jazz? What is an audience? What is audience? What talking, is music? We are what is, talking what about are these jazz? comments? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what, what, what are what, voices? What are some of your, uh, your guys' reactions? One word response. Geraldi. Okay, yeah, Vince Geraldi. No, I mean the chocolate. Oh, the, the chocolate. I think that's Girardelli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's more than one word. Uh, so I know it's, right. it's still just that, that one is. word. <laughs> so for me, if I'm just I saying, I think it's Girardelli. It's three words. I think it's Giordano's. Anyway, uh, if maybe I'm it's saying, Maybelline. <laughs> one one word I would say is smooth, government, but you could probably use that to describe most jazz. So it's not very helpful. I think I think if I'm going to go with anything, it's going to be wintry. Wintry, oh, yeah. yes. I, I get a, I get a very you know like fireplace vibe as very you know, cozy, very cozy. And like that sucks some, kicks in. Something you would you know maybe play at a at a family party or something when there's snow outside and and you have a loving. Uh, environment atmosphere yeah yes yeah it, it, it is, to atmosphere it, it is very <laughs> atmospheric I, I it's a very cozy song uh, I think that all of the assessments you, are totally you know, really quick if I have to say one word then I will say interesting you've already yeah. said a word well I, I know the <laughs> thing more than a word that's that's really nice um, is his his voice and I think uh, I think people were mentioning this kind of while we were listening to it um his voice kind of reminds you, it's like gravelly, kind of sounds like Louis Armstrong or something yes, like that, yeah. which, I mean, it's obviously a really easy thing to jump to when you're talking about music like this, but it's a really great contrast between, like, the way his voice sounds and how unbelievably smooth and, like, chill the music is, uh, and then the sax comes in and you're just like, wow. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it can be so rough and so smooth at the same time. And that's sort of the nature of jazz and the vocals. And I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right with your reference to Louis Armstrong. He kind of maybe pioneered that a little or bit in the jazz it, yeah. scene. Um, and I, I don't know if if Tom had any specific influences from Louis. He probably knew him. But obviously he knew him. Like there's no way that you can be in the music scene, especially in 
jazz and not know Louis Armstrong. And not know Louis Armstrong. You're going to know him. So uh, whether it was overt or um, just in covert or, or covert uh, influence, I, I think there's you know there's a little vocal influence. So there. a question I have is, um, does he write all the music or because I obviously he's not playing all the instruments. Or was he playing any of the instruments? Yes, he does play instruments and he does uh, write the music. Um, the it, it obviously he's he's made a lot of albums. Um, he has made. He seems like the kind of guy who'd have like a hundred or two hundred or something. Not that many. He has seventeen albums. Like he has seventeen amount. albums. That's, that's actually not an amount. That's actually not as many as I was as, expecting. That's a lot. As far as I'm aware, he primarily writes and performs all of his own music. Obviously, he has a band backing right. with him. Hard to play but, all those. Uh, he, you does, use your feet. he does. He does play. He does play various Shout instruments, um, but it varies on the song that he's doing. Sometimes he's playing. Sometimes he's not playing. Sometimes he's listening. Sometimes he's listening. You could be listening in. Yeah. In exactly. fact, for that song, he was in the audience the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> He's saying it from the seats while watching. So with <laughs> people were like, "Who is this on stage?" <laughs> He's a ventriloquist. <laughs> it wasn't Why? funny. And then Steven just started laughing in his corner. <laughs> Why? Why? Welcome. Why? Why isn't the man on stage singing? Why is this man in the crowd? Okay. Singing right. everything. So let's Anyways. let's jump right into the next one. So that was an example of what I kind of put in his slow jazz, smooth jazz category. This one still jazz, but much faster. This one is called. We're getting into the flight, system. The flight of the bumblebee. The flight of the bumblebee. <laughs> no. We're getting into the system of a down territory now. This one is called Step Right Up. Uh oh. Lipstick on your collar, and it's only a dollar. 
the price of punches. The pride of them. Please allow 30 days for delivery. Don't be fooled by cheap limitations. You can live in it, live in it, laughing it, loving it, swimming it, sleeping it, living it, swimming it, laughing it, loving it. Remove embarrassing stains from contour sheets. That's right. And it entertains visiting relatives. It turns a sandwich into a banquet. Tired of being the life of the party. Change your shorts, change your life. Change your life, change into a nine-year-old Hindu boy. Get rid of your wife that walks your dog. Doubles on sacks, doubles on sacks, you can jump back, Jack, see you later, alligator, see you later, alligator, and it steals your car. It gets rid of your gambling debts, it quits smoking, it's a friend, it's a companion, it's the only product you will ever need. Follow these easy assembly instructions, it never needs dining. Well, it takes weights off hips, busts, thighs, chin, midriff, gives you dandruff, and it finds you a job. It is a job, and it strips the phone cover, and it free takes into a exchange. No salesman will visit your home. We got a jackpot, jackpot, jackpot. Prizes, prizes, prizes. All work guaranteed. How do we do it? 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 We need your business. We're going out of business. We'll give you the business. Get on the business end of all. Going out of business, say we'll receive all. Free brochure. Free brochure. Read the easy to follow assembly instructions. Is not included. Send before midnight tomorrow. Terms available. Step right up. Step right up. Step right up. You got it, buddy. A large print giveth and a small print taketh away. Step right up. You can step right up. You can step right up. Come on, step right up. Step right up from the album uh, "Small Change," uh, 1976. Now, now that song to me, it really had—I don't know how many of you are familiar with musicals, but there's yes. like the Music Man. Um, it had a, a con very, artist. a very it's about similar, a con artist, right? Exactly, but it had a very similar vibe to the way that that actor—I forget his name right it's now. Okay. 
But um, the way he sung a lot of those songs, like they had that more the like... The con artist movie. guy, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that exactly. guy, the way he sung a lot of the songs in that movie, mm-hmm. where it's like got that tempo, it's got that speed, it's just got like that nice... It's a, like, just it like, sounds like a, a train. It's, it's a, a gish gallop. It, it yeah. sounds what, like a What is that? A, a gish gallop? Yeah. So like, uh, the, the term gish gallop is when you basically say so much bullshit in as fast as you can that it's like essentially essentially no you people don't know what they think people anymore. people cannot refute the amount of bullshit that you're spewing because there's too much of it and so you kind of overwhelm their senses which is why in these cases like salespeople and uh politicians car, like car salesmen car salesmen are notorious for it um they they will come in and they'll just talk as fast as they can and they'll really put the pressure on you know oh you got to do it it's got to do this it's got to come in. oh yeah and it does this it does that it does this uh you the sales ending now you got to do you got to buy it, you got to buy it, and you just keep spouting off all of these things and you don't have the time or the energy to to fact check all those things so you got to kind of get pressured into a decision which is exactly what they want you can't slow down and listen in exactly this whole thing this is a perfect example of a gish gallop yeah, and for me, I guess I, that's a great word that I'm adding to my vocabulary. Um, I, I guess I would have just defined it as like a smooth talker, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I really appreciate, this is something that's like kind of dear to my heart and I feel like he was doing it. It almost feels like this could be live and he's just doing stream of consciousness. Yeah. You know, so just like whatever's coming to his mind, he's right. saying it. It's almost like he's rapping, basically. Well, like there, freestyling. The, there's almost no repeated words in this whole Right, other than just transitional just, words, it's I imagine. The, the transitional words and step right up. Right. Right? Step right up. Step right up. That's the theme throughout it. He's he's attracting you in. He's doing his gish gallop. He's selling the thing. It does everything. Uh, and I, I think the most poignant line of it, uh, of the whole song, is, you know, the large print giveth and the small print Dude, take it I actually, away. I actually huh. took a note on that. That was my favorite line there, That's too. That's such I think a great it's, line. It's so insightful because it's so true. Yeah. Um, like whenever you're signing a contract, like all the good stuff's always in big letters and the bad stuff's in small letters and you don't know till you sign it and read it later. I lost my firstborn to, uh, the small prince. (laughs) (laughs) The small prince? The small prince. Rest in peace. They got it. Um, Another thing too is like, he's so good at it. It almost sounds like he's an auctioneer, you know, like trying to auction something. And I know they're not necessarily well, trying to scam case, people. It's his music he's auctioning to us. Well, you're already listening to it, so. Yeah, exactly. I don't see that. No, I, no, no. I, he's I, trying I, to get us to listen in further. He's well, putting this beautiful presentation, which personally for me, I have not heard it, this type of style mm-hmm. in a song before. That he's using this uniqueness to be able to draw the listener in and be like, hey, I'm using something you may never have heard before, so this is why you should listen to me. What I think is really fascinating. For you to explore. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's great. Uh, a great observation there, Stephen. And I think you're totally right. Uh, and I think a, another fascinating thing about it is the fact that mm, it, fascinating. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is, right? That's not the point of the song. You know, he's making all these claims about it. And all the things it can do and how cheap it is. And he's just going through it. And it doesn't matter what it is. Because to the salesperson, it doesn't matter what they're selling. Even if it's a clown. Even it. 
Like, is it true? Is it not true? Doesn't matter. You know, 10 for a dollar. Who cares? I, I like what that it point. Is. Yeah. I like that point a lot. It's it's a dime a dozen. It's just another sale. Yeah. It I just really is. like that point. It yeah. is. I, but the whole point is to just step right up and buy. Just well, step right up. Yeah. Consume. It's oh, like yeah. you said in a previous podcast, Chuck, where you're just like, the podcast just is. It is as we go. We follow the podcast. It is. It's we do what the podcast demands, and exactly. Tom waits. All hail the podcast! <laughs> exactly. Uh, another thing I really enjoy, though, is that 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 delivery where it's kind of like really fast, kind of makes you anxious. Paired with that jazz, which is a little bit anxious as well. Mm-hmm. Like compared to that last song, for example, that was like real smooth, chill, oh, yeah. just like lounging around. This is like. I'm like I'm like I'm You're like tense. my leg is like shaking up and down when I'm listening to that song. Like I'm yeah. I'm anxious. Who there's, needs there's caffeine tension. when you got Tom Waits? You got sure. the the bass line in the back that yeah, just it's like, like driving, a driving the heartbeat yeah. of the song, and then you have the trumpet, which is the shrillness that keeps you on your toes. And, and, and he doesn't let you rest for a single moment in that. Song. So he doesn't breathe. Unless, he doesn't let himself unless, rest. Yeah, That's the beauty he's of it. Saying, step right up. Step have you right noticed up. that? Step like right everything is fast and up and all that except when he says step right up and then he pauses and lets you lets you mull that and then once you start thinking about it and you're like "Hmm, maybe I don't want to do this and he's like there we go again and then it goes on and he he, he keeps grifting you and all that stuff he's a grifter dude yeah I feel like did he work as a car salesman at any point in his life he had to if he had to if he's definitely like some some kind of guy who I I don't know if he actually ever worked in that scene but I mean I'm sure he's, when you, he seems like the kind of guy who's done everything. When you are a musician, especially an independent musician who's you're playing poor. a circuit, you're poor. You're, you're doing what doing, you can to get you're by. You're doing what you can to get by. Right. And guess what? Sales is one of those overarching, anywhere you go, people are going to need a salesman. True. And you can drop in and drop out. You can do it door to door. And uh, if you got the gish gallop, you can, uh, or the gift of gab, as some <laughs> might call it, uh, then you can uh, sell ten. For he a probably went to some of those Sacramento coffee houses selling coffee beans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's been to Sacramento, but <laughs> I don't think it was Sacramento, though. I think it might have been San Diego. No, he said it was Sacramento. Okay, whatever. It was so, Sacramento okay, coffee houses. That's Tom Waits Sa- is going there selling, selling San coffee Diego beans. was where Tom Waits got started. Didn't you guys get sold Steven by one of these guys? That was just just kind of spewing nonsense, yeah, yeah, and all discount, of a sudden you have Steven. Discount robot parts. You know, when Steven needs a repair, we go to San, uh, San Francisco and, uh, you know, Silicon Valley. They got a lot of silicon there, which is what he needs. Um, it so oils can, me up. Yeah. It oils him up. Well, moving right along in our journey, so we, we we touched on a little of his earlier jazz stuff. So wait, what, what was the time difference between those two? I guess, like, I'm just curious, like, how that kind of like ties into like his whole musical evolution, like year wise. Uh, I mean, it also you don't it or doesn't need era. to be a what long. Do you discuss. Yeah, I just meant year wise. Yeah. I was just curious to see the numbers. It doesn't have to like obviously you can. One year to the next, you can be completely different styles, right? But it's also interesting to see people's evolution over time because that's certainly a thing, too. Most people don't just, like, flip a switch. Although, with Tom Waits, I could also see that. It's hard to... I I don't have any context, so... So, the... uh, Between those particular recordings, uh, it was about the span of a year. So, he he did Warm Beer and Cold Women in 75... And then he did Step Right Up in 76. Okay. So this this is sort of that 
that jazz period yeah. uh, that, that he went into. So we're going to be moving right along, and we're going to be moving into one that I would characterize as a ballad. Ooh, um, I love good ballad. This is one of his more popular ones, if you look at sort of like Top Tom Waits Does it have songs. anything to do with Curtis Lowe? It has nothing to do with Curtis Lowe. <laughs> Lowe, um, but you know. But the, Curtis the, the song... The Ballad of Curtis Lowe. No, it's not. It has not Whatever. You guys don't know. <laughs> so this song Faster is called time. A Christmas Card from a Hooker in Minneapolis. Oh, she she sent me one of those too. <laughs> I, I went to Minneapolis once. <laughs> Buy me a used car lot. I 
wouldn't sell any of them. Just drive a different car every day, depending on how I feel. Charlie, for God's sake, if you want to know the truth of it, don't have a husband, he don't play the trombone. I need to borrow money to pay this lawyer, Charlie Hay. I'll be eligible for parole. Come Valentine's Day. No, you won't be. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No! Oh no! No! Well, I will. Jeez, dude! And what? that that was a Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis. Oh well, no! Dude, that, that's a rough song. I wasn't ready for that. I, I will say. I do what I do appreciate about the song is the way in which he had it set up so you could actually kind of reflect after each verse. He has the style set slow enough mm-hmm. where it's a nice ballad. It, it's it, a gives, it gives you time to reflect through each verse, but it's not like a long pause, but you get just enough of that time where you can have that time to just reflect and think about it. And that shows that what I always have felt when artists do that is they want you to think about the lyrics. It's yeah. not necessarily about them. They don't necessarily want you to think about the music itself. They want, they want you, you to, to think about it. the lyrics One, and yeah. think well, about the story behind with, it because the, then that's important to them. Right. With a ballad like this, like he's just telling you a story and it's, you know, it's got a plot twist in it too, which is really yeah. uh, interesting. But yeah, yeah, so it's really important to pay attention to the lyrics and I, I think he does a great job of kind of emphasizing that and gives you time to digest it, just like Steve was saying. Ooh, I don't know if you're going to hear that thunder, but it's pretty raunchy. Ooh, boy. The, the, the question is, is um, would you guys send that money in the mail? Uh, after to a hearing, hooker for Christmas? After hearing... <laughs> to, to a hooker for Christmas. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, after hearing her story and everything, you know, well, why would you respond? So you get a sob well, story I mean, newsletter the, the, from a hooker who wants money for well, Christmas. The, the question is... It wasn't really a sob story the question until is, the end. Who's Charlie? That is the question. Right? So who is she writing to? Who's she writing this Christmas The same card? Charlie that the Red Hot Chili Peppers talk about. Yeah, the same Charlie. You know, and, and if you think about it, it... The relationship that she has with this person is is interesting because she doesn't come out out of the gate and say, "Hey, I need money to pay a lawyer right. so that I can get out of prison." Well, it seems like she, it's taking a long time too, right? right? Or like, is it all one card. Uh, I think it's multiple cards. It seems like it's like I think multiple, it's multiple cards. But the, so the, then the that point progression is, of time. She, she starts off by trying to paint kind of a rosy picture like yeah you know i'm married he plays the trombone you know i thought i'd go live with my folks you know blah 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 uh and and the story kind of develops and then finally the pretenses are dropped right so if this was if this was just a random person that you were just sending a card to to ask for money why would you bother (laughs) with the pretenses right so it's kind of interesting to wonder what what kind of relationship this Charlie has with her. Right, right. and like that's... A, a, like an old friend? 
And or clients or family. If it's, a, if it's a hooker, it might be a client, and they but they have to be a friend. But they have to be know each other That's on a true. more personal yeah. level. Maybe it was a past love, you know, um, yeah. pretty woman style, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lyric in there that says they used to all buy dope together, and she wishes she true. had that money. So it's clearly a personal relation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that you wouldn't lie about some you know crazy fantasy life if you didn't care what the person you're writing to thought about exactly you. yeah and someone and you care about one of the things that i think is just just really significant in the song is essentially her fantasy her wish of what she could have done with this money that they spent on dope was that she could buy a used car lot and just drive a different car every day. What is it with this guy and car lot? I mean, it was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, so it, 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 it was a, a, a pretty large facet of American life. The, the idea of a car being like... The, the epitome of the American dream. It was just it. Right? Yeah, it was, was trying it. to sell you. You have, was, a, car, right? you got, you have a, a car, a sedan, you have the house, the white it defined fence. You. It defined you and, and who you were. But it's just, it's so uh, captivating that someone's whole dream could be, I just want to drive a different used car every day. Yeah, I know. It's... Uh, I don't want to say anything super negative, but yeah, you're just like this person has not figured out like what's important like they're still fantasizing over things that are not where it's at yeah but i think that kind of makes sense when you kind of like delve into like it's someone who hasn't made the best decisions and probably from like a i mean i'm not trying to psychoanalyze too far but they clearly have not ever been shown like the correct priorities in life you know and so that's like always the first thing you want to do is just like get a car but that's not what matters right and i was actually about to say that shows at the end of the song like look at the position she's in she obviously has not made the best choices she's in prison (laughs) (laughs) but she's eligible for parole here all right come come down allegedly allegedly that's very romantic it's very romantic (laughs) But my hooker's no, getting out of prison. So, for so, I mean, I, I think ex-hooker. I think that does give another clue to the nature of their relationship. Not only have they done dope together, she thinks it's significant but, to point out that she will be eligible per, for parole on Valentine's Day, but, which implies a romantic relationship. Right. But what I was going to say was that that whole thing where it's like she's spending her money immediately, like when she gets it. That is kind of a clue to like the type of personality you're well, and, and that getting she's spending there. It that on it, dope. That's why I'm saying she's yeah. spending it on frivolities, which she just well, d- like dope. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be very clear. It's not like she's going to the theater. She's buying drugs. She's buying drugs and used cars. <laughs> well, she wishes she bought. Well, used one cars. thing I just want to take a step back though. I but are used cars better than drugs yes, in the long yes, run? Yes, yes, yes. Every single day of no, the week. No, no. Yes. What's your, Put your uh, votes in the comments. We'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, which is better, drugs or used cars? Right, exactly. Up, up vote for um, for drugs. No, down vote for no, cars. No, <laughs> no, but my my entire point though is like you're still in the end. Even if she just bought a bunch of used cars, she's still wasting that money. Like, well, what's she going to do with... It's just, like, not, a little fan... Like, to me, anyway, right, it it's like a, fantasy, a little fancy right? she has. Like, is, oh, instead of buying, like, all this, like, crack or whatever... <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez. <laughs> I mean, it was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of buying all this crack, I'm not going to spend this money on, like, fancy dresses, which is still going to be wasting my money, or I want to buy used cars? I mean, like it just it shows the, say, the mindset. I would say both of those things, though, also kind of almost represent freedom. Like, I don't think either of those things are a, a pathway to freedom, but it's what you think of. Like... If you're not someone who's ever had to, like, I don't know, essentially be responsible, that's like what, it's kind of like you're stuck as like a kid, you know, like, what's yeah. the coolest thing? Having a cool car, you know? Crap. Or, or just having a car. <laughs> Crap. Crap. Especially in the United States, what's one of the rites of passage? Getting your driver's license. Yeah. Right. And, and the freedom that comes with being able to drive yourself places. And I think that that's something... And make bad decisions and buy a car you can't afford. Making right. bad and decisions. Shout the strokes. I think True. specifically uh, the U.S. has a culture that's much more centered around driving than other places. Because we we're rural and we don't have public yeah, transportation. because we have a lot of rural uh, and spread out type of infrastructure. Big interstates. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, it's more specifically significant... To the American audience. That's for sure. If it was like Germany, should be like, I'll buy <laughs> a couple <laughs> huge tanks. <laughs> wow, so not World War Two. It no, would be the uh, the Schnitzel. Yeah, card. I was going to say this or, or Lederhosen. Lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry if there's any Germans. Favorite Germans. It's okay. Uh, so. That was uh, just to keep things moving along. Well, hang on. Before we go yeah. there, though, I just wanted to emphasize really quick. I really appreciate, like, I think he's really showing his talent as not just a songwriter, but a storyteller, because those yeah. aren't always the same thing. For sure. For me, that plot twist at the end is kind of like a punch in the gut, you know? like It really is. Things She's making it sound, like, so, like, nice, and you're like, oh, that's, like... That's cool. Like, Christmas where are we going to go with yeah, this? And all nice. of a sudden, it's like plot twist. And <laughs> actually, I, I really enjoy that. There's not many songs I've listened to where there's like a, like a plot twist. Like, I hate to bring it up, but it, like, probably the only thing, I don't know, not, there's there's a lot of good options, but it kind of reminds me of like Stan or something like that by Eminem. It, where, it, where, where it has you, a dev, devolution almost. Yeah, at the end, all of a sudden, it's like, just kidding. <laughs> or, or maybe that. May, Stan's probably a little extreme. Stan's more have, of a descent into madness. That's true. Yeah. You you watch it happen. And, yeah, and this, that's that's fair. It's a bad example. But. This night might not be as relatable, but like Carolina drama, the raconteurs. Shout out to Jack White. Yeah, true. Shout out to Jack White. But um, no, that one's also that, song, that one's also kind uh, of a descent into madness. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is just like a plot twist, like yeah. M Night Shyamalan yeah. style. Oh God! But anyway, <laughs> so moving yeah, on. That that was off the album Blue Valentine, and that was uh, released in 1978. So this was two years after the last one. So, so we're keeping a pretty we're, tight progression. We're, we're moving along in the timeline. Only 30 more years to go. Only 30 more years to go. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Oh boy. So now we're going to step out of sort of that jazz ballady type of genre. We're going to step into more of his folk stuff. And from here, we're going to be more in his folk and uh, blues experimental. So if you folk. don't like folk, turn it off. Just turn off uh, your bing-bang radio machines. <laughs> turn off those radios with the buttons. There's a red one that says off. So the next song that we're going to jump into <laughs> is called All the World is Green. Ooh, perfect for nowadays. Hashtag. Oh. Hashtag, it's legal now. I fell into the 
face forgives the mirror The worm forgives the plow The question begs the answer Can you forgive me somehow? Maybe when our story's over back and that was all the world is green which was released and we're really jumping forward in time here it was released in 2002 dang it didn't really sound like it was much more modern exactly his his musical style while evolving it doesn't feel <laughs> like it's changed a whole he lot. doesn't feel like he has to keep up with the times right which because he's doing his thing right he does his thing um so significant thing this was released on the album blood money but this was actually written for a play called Wojzak. So did he perform it? He uh, he recorded it and they played this. I don't think they had live music performance for the play. But this this song was 
in the play. Wait, what was the play called? It was called Wojcik, uh, directed by Robert Wilson. Uh, we're we're going to be touching on that director actually a, a bit in the future, uh, uh, just a couple songs later, because uh, they worked together on two other musicals, The Black Rider and Alice, both of which have albums, and we're going to be listening to some of so, the songs from those albums. So does that mean that this was written before 2002? So it it was written before 2002, but it Same was era. released in 2002 on this Blood Money album. Uh, the play itself uh, premiered in 2000. So okay, the first so it's time, not far off. The first time the song would have been heard by an audience would have been in 2000. Okay, I was just curious if it was like written in the 80s or something. So for me, the first thing, I don't know how many of you out there, I'm sure a lot of you, have seen lord of the rings but the first thing that i think of that i picture in my mind when i hear this song is saruman that no that <laughs> that point where they go to the Sorry. prancing pony and you see aragorn like in the corner strider when you see strider in the corner just like smoking his pipe so i see i picture him like in that corner of that bar listening to this song and just watching everything that's going so on So that sort of him. incognito sort of... Bar scene. Like, yeah. like low, dark, low light. Lo-fi, kind of like music to listen to a while little, studying. A little bit of melancholy, a little bit of suspicion in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Very also, true. Suspicion. But also chill. Relaxing. Also chill. I'm, I'm smoking a pipe, you know. You know, I actually agree with Steven a lot on that. I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, I mean, I guess you do have to get the reference, you know, to the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. Shout but, out to Aragorn. Um, but honestly, I could definitely see that as a vibe to this song. It's, um, I know that when, when we listened to it the first time, Ben brought up, like, he thought it was like melancholy and everything. And I said, not necessarily. I don't, th- I don't see it as melancholy, but I couldn't really put my, my thumb on what it did give me, you know? And, um, I think that's that is exactly the vibe. It's it's kind of incognito. It's low to the ground, almost with a hint of suspicion, but at the same right. time, it's mystery. It's got it, yeah, mystery. yeah, yeah. I'd say less intrigue. Yeah, I think intrigue. intrigue's a good word for it. Um, and, and at the same time, it's not not necessarily sad or threatening. You don't get inherent negative emotions. Right, and you're not right. like depressed listening right, to it. Right, exactly. Either. You're more just but, like you want to listen more and find out right. what this is leading it's into. It's certainly more of a downer than it is an upper. Yes, I would agree. It's it's more on, on I think it's in a lower key, uh, a lot of flat notes that I caught there. Although and, they do have a nice key um, change in there. And yeah, they do have that nice, nice key change. That really pulls it together. It, it does. And the instrumentation is amazing. I, I absolutely love the oboe that's in there. Or at least I'm I'm fairly confident it's an oboe. I'm pretty um, sure it's an oboe. And I, I love how that kind of brings a wind ensemble to a song that you would not expect to find it in. Um, especially since he hasn't really used much of uh, of wind instruments in his past works that we kind of been listening to. Well, we did have a big jump, but yeah. Uh, granted, I guess that's a jump of almost like what thirty years. <laughs> yeah. Three so, days. He still sounds like the same guy. So, but but you can still guy. see that he keeps his his rocky voice. I love the fact that he stays in the same tempos essentially and uh, the same more or less style that he he's kind of getting known for here. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me, where the melancholy, because I, I agree, um, as far as the music goes, like the it's all, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I feel that. But then when you hear the lyrics, it's like 
I don't know, just kind of like him reminiscing almost like he basically like screwed up. It almost sounds like a song where he did like a really um, like, you know, he mentions at the beginning like about dealing with the sea or whatever. And it almost sounds like he had to cross the sea at some point And it's like some kind of military guy or something, someone who served or had to go away. Um, and then he came back somehow and something bad happened. Um, and so now he's basically just trying to like, almost like apologize or just like pretend that things will be like better someday. Well, he, it's also, you know, a song about love. He's singing about right, to, to, so, someone, right? to, to someone. He's singing to Marie. But, right. Marie, yeah, but, exactly. Like when, when you became my wife. But going back to what Chuck was saying, so do you, would you say he's discussing more regrets? Even from his past. Well, I mean, he's like, we we can bring back the old days again. So it's not so much regrets about his past so much as regrets about where he is now, I think. Yeah. Like, he wishes he could go back to the good old days. Because for whatever Just reason, right now, right now, stuff does not seem to be as good as it was back then. It sounds like he and Marie are definitely not together still. So, like, he he messed up and now he just wishes things could go back to the way they were. Um, Big return to the status quo. Return of, of the king, yeah. yeah right. True. Yeah. That Aragorn vibe. And the Lord of the Rings references <laughs> keep on coming. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what were your thoughts, Ben? So this this song, I, I think we sort of encapsulated a lot of the, the general thoughts about it. Uh, it's very melancholy to me. I know other people catch on different notes, you know, some intrigue, maybe a little mystery. Well, I think the lyrics are what really makes it the melancholy. Uh, a little nostalgia. But yeah, it's the lyrics. Like, if, if you look at the lyrics, you can definitely tell um, the the direction that he's approaching well, this from. Also, there's kind of some jarring stuff in there, too, like some little hints. Like, at some point, he mentions it's a love you'd kill for. A love you'd kill for that. And also the line where... Uh, their, your face will forgive the mirror. Yeah. Oh, that one. That yeah. yeah. That line is is beautiful and like savage and like brutal. Um, now, what I I mean, I do find that line to be extremely interesting. But interesting. But what I'd love for you to to expand to me what what your thoughts are on that line because so, I don't I mean, really if, know if, enough. If, if like, what does it mean? If you what think, it means. Yeah. Just if you think about. Like you're looking in a mirror. If you look in a mirror and you hate what you see, right? I, I think that it, we're talking a bit about self hatred. Well, he's also reminiscing about the past, right. right? He's reminiscing about the past, and so he's talking, I think, about coming to terms with his face, with seeing his reflection like in reality, the mirror, man. and so kind of being comfortable in his own skin, right? So, like, I and I don't even think it's from a, a physical perspective. I think it's just that. He has regrets. Whatever, that whatever he's his done regrets are, whatever has happened it's a metaphor. in the past, it's a metaphor. He, you know, his face has forgiven the mirror for showing him the his truth. own face, his truth. Right. So yeah, I I, I well, was pretty struck by that. That also ties in pretty well too with reminiscing, right? Because at this point he's probably old, and so that's the point where you start being unhappy. I mean, maybe not where you start, but that's certainly like a thing. Like you look in the mirror and you're like, dang man, like. Well, Where you know, did the time go? Well, the the dew will be on their graves when all the world is. And great. I guess just a quick note because I did a little bit of digging while we were talking, and uh, the reason it's kind of melancholy is because apparently 
Uh, this is after he like killed his wife. So in the play, that's, that's in the play, nice. yeah. Woo! That, okay. yeah. Well, that and does so, give us some content. So oh, that's, that's nice. That's why he says it's a love you'd kill for because he killed her because he was jealous because there was something that she did that he didn't like. Oh, very we, we interesting. Need a, we need to find this play. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, w- I was digging into it a bit, and man, there is like, whoo, and like it all goes back to like poetry and like all this other stuff that he's like referencing. So it's some. We could do a whole episode. He's doing he's a lot of deep, l- deep level stuff here then. But yeah, that's why he's so reminiscing though. It sounds like they broke up, but really he killed her. And so that's why he wishes. It's a way Either way, they're up. no longer together. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And on that note, <laughs> word from our sponsor. Yeah, so I guess that in Dude, all of you those things, a divorce all of, attorney. All of those observations, I think, are our <laughs> Do you need a divorce attorney? That's beautiful. Gold. <laughs> all right. So the next song we're going to jump into is going to be a big departure from everything that we've heard so far. We're talking about divorces. We're talking about attorneys. This, we're talking about departure. This, uh, this song is called Dog Door. We're talking about and dogs, we're I, talking about doors. I would classify this, and I think Tom would also classify this, uh, as some of his experimental music. Uh, personally, Experimental, I, that's a risky word to use per, around these parts. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> personally, one of, it's, it's one of my favorite Tom Waits songs, but it is very strange. So what, what is it you said the title? Dog Door. The doors? No. So dog, like the doors, no, like no. the van. Shout out to the doors. Door. Oh my! <laughs> he, okay. he was fishing there. All right. <laughs> All right. We should have said it earlier, but anyway. All right, here we go. Dog door. Thank you. 
wow. that. To me, to me, that one. Not even going to let him finish, huh? That then one. Then I'm going to cut you off. That Ready, one. Cut him off. Cut him off. You the tell jokes. him. jokes. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. But, That's a lot. But um, to me, that one really had almost Beck vibes yeah, for me. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of that sort of grungy yeah. rock. Well, and and just to, just to be clear, when Steve says Beck, like you're probably thinking of like loser or, or like go it alone or, or something like blur, that or songs something too. from Wero. That's that's blur. Oh, but the same guy. Yes, <laughs> not not the same guy. Um, but anyway, uh, he, <laughs> he has uh, on, on some of his earlier albums. He has songs that sound like this, and there's certainly ones you would never have heard of unless you're doing a deep dive on Beck or you're really into him. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Beck. We're just here to compare him to Tom Waits. We're well, yeah. here to put Tom Waits into a so, box. So this song in particular uh, was on the album Orphans, Brawlers, Ballers, and Bastards. Now, which is he? Uh, all I, three of them at once, I so, suppose. <laughs> so the, the whole point of this album was he put it out because he had a bunch of songs that didn't really fit anywhere else. And so I can see why he this released an album of Orphans. Just like oh, bastards. I like that ah, yeah. I got so you. So they're like orphans, they're brawlers, they're ballers, they're bastards, and so he released a bunch of music. That's clever, actually. Because he just didn't have another vessel well, to release it under. Also, just for some extra context, this is from the Bastards disc. Yes, this is from the Bastards. It is a three-disc uh, special release. Which I like that when they have like an album, but it's like three albums but it's in like one. one album it reminds me of like outcast like speaker box the True. Love Below. shout out to outcast yeah we need to get an outcast reference in there but anyway uh i i always love a good song where you have no idea what they're saying for yeah. like 99 of it yeah. there's something really appealing about that because for me it makes me want to do a deep dive and understand like they're obviously trying to communicate something but what is it yeah and so uh, I've actually been looking at lyrics while we've been talking about this, and honestly, they haven't really cleared anything. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. So, but uh, another thing too, I wanted to mention is uh, it, it's experimental from the standpoint that it kind of reminds me of like a song that Aphex Twin would put out. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them at all, but I've I've heard some music. By they Aphex have Twin. really bizarre music and, and some really bizarre music videos. Yeah, uh, I would not recommend, but sometimes <laughs> I would recommend. But anyway. That's that's the only thing I can really think to do is just like mention people that it sounds like. Um, I mean, there's yeah, I don't. You know, the vibe that I lot. got was Marilyn anyway, Manson then... killing strangers. So I could see some Manson it. in there. Yeah. I, I totally picked up on that, like with the really heavy. Yes, and with the with the underlying musical tones, not just yeah. the lyrics. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think we really can talk about the lyrics at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying like the, the way in which the lyrics were sung. Oh, you know? okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's more like the music itself. The music itself. Which I would totally agree. It's kind of like that blown out like yes. heavy metal sound. Totally something to think about there. Yeah, that's, I, that's the best I can do. I think it's clear that the music itself is meant to take the center stage here. And the vocalization is to complement that, I think, as opposed to being the focal point. Like, you know, uh, in in the song that we listened to earlier, Christmas Card from a Hooker in Minneapolis, obviously the music is there to support the story that he's telling. Right. And And I think this is the opposite. See, I I completely agree with that. And I've mentioned this on a couple episodes now. I honestly think with every song, it's either going to be 
the lyrics which are supported by the music mm-hmm. or the artist is going to go full-fledged music and then put the lyrics in to support that. Yeah. Well, and Agreed. just to take that a step further, it's one of my favorite things that a lot of artists do where their voice just becomes another instrument. Right, it's exactly. It's no longer about delivering necessarily the lyrics, although they're still there, but the voice is just another layer in the, in the instrumentation itself. And it doesn't even have to be lyrics. It's just what the voice is like adding on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, any any other thoughts about that before we move on? Um, I think I need some time to study this one. <laughs> and and we're we're not going to stay too uh, too long in the the experimental phase. I mainly wanted to throw this song in there to give you guys a taste of his range and yeah. because I really like the song. But that whole album that he pulled out or that he put out that this is on the Orphans album. It's fantastic, and there's so much weird stuff on there. Like, it also seems like there's just a lot. Period. There's just there's a lot of a lot. Period. Absolutely. Like a lot of music, and there's some really uh, a really interesting other call out uh, that's also on that album is called <laughs> "What Is He Doing in There," and it's not. Oh, that does not sound. It's good. not really a song. It's it's a story accompanied by sounds. It's like spoken no. word. It's like spoken word. It's it's really really cool. That I don't know if that sounds cool. Like think about it. Sounds it. cool. It's here. It's, I'll, you know, I'll what is it. he doing in there? And then it's accompanied by just sounds. Sorry, I wonder what they do. So it's it's called it's called <laughs> what, it's called what's <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> It's called What's He Building? And we're not going to listen to the whole thing because I just want to give you guys a taste. Yeah, I think I'm it's, curious. I think it's better... I'm intrigued. Uh, ...better to listen to when you can, you know... Have a few uh, glasses have, of scotch. Yeah. Because it's not really a song. It sounds like Pink Floyd off the bat. I mean, that's What's pretty bold. in there? What the hell is he building in there? He has subscriptions to those magazines. He never waves when he goes by. He's hiding something from the rest of us. He's all to himself. I think I know why. He took down the tire swing from the pepper tree. He has no children of his own, you see. He has no dog. He has no friends, and his lawn is dying. What about all those packages he sends? So yeah, that, I just wanted to give you a quick little taste into that. I'm unnerved. That really was, creepy. That's super really creepy. creepy. But yeah, really. so, does he have any horror movies that he's made? I feel he like should. that would be a beautiful like I, I feel horror like, movie. I feel addition. like he should be like with Stephen King. Like, I, I stuff. think he would do some fantastic horror stuff. But I, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's done anything beyond. I don't know if you would probably the plays that he's done soundtracks for wouldn't fall into that category uh they'd probably be more dramatic but i haven't seen the play so i wouldn't know but next podcast yeah next podcast so but we're gonna jump now into his blues Ooh, i love the blues and this one is called big in japan welcome to japan shout out to the strokes or just japan by throttle shout out to throttle shout out to throttle Thank you. 
Was big in Japan off of the album Mule Variations. But was uh, it big in Japan? It was big in Japan. And, I and how will the how are these mules variated? How did they vary from one to another? I think the mule is the one playing. How did he vary from one to another? He's, he's not varying. The music he's playing is varying. He's playing the variations. So the mule can play variations. Yes. A mule playing guitar. It's yeah. amazing. Yes. 
Technology. Blues. Probably the least amazing thing about Tom Waits. Uh, it, so this this was a 1999, so we're stepping 1999, a little, great a little, year. A little farther year. back from some of the Almost previous as old as I. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think a great classic example of American blues. So it's, it's uh, interesting, for lack of a better word, um, that you say an example of the blues because... It's definitely the blues, but it's like kind of a different sound than I normally would expect. Like it's very lo-fi, like grunge sounding. I was about to say it's So grunge. it's kind of like the modern blues almost. But like when people try to do the blues in modern days, they try to make it sound like the old blues. So he's just like going on doing his own thing. And which he's always done that. Probably, yeah, probably Tom Waits to a T. That's T for Tom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if, you listen, no if you listen to a lot of these blues greats like for instance muddy waters you know a a chicago blues musician he his sound is lo-fi but it's it's more classic like it's just guitar it's guitar it's not electric right it's acoustic and it doesn't have that grungy sound to it like you described and i i agree this has a very grungy kind of dirty sound it's like yeah it's it's like the um the gain is up way too high, so you're kind of getting distortion. And so that comes from the electric guitar and all that. Or, I mean, whatever he's doing there. But uh, I love it. It's kind of like a modern take on on that like blues, just like lo-fi uh, well, vibe. As, as modern as you can get for it being Tom Waits who made this in what year? 99. 99. So. I mean, if you think about it, though, for context, it was the same time... Like the blues and stuff like that were making a resurgence in the U.S. Like that's when the White Stripes dropped their first album uh, and stuff like that. And their take on the blues, which is much different. They're also lo-fi, like, but they're like garage rock blues. And this mm-hmm. is just like ex- more like the experimental side of things than like going back to the classics, which I, I really appreciate. And that whole idea of being big in Japan, I think... You were saying something about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think, um, I'm not sure that I've heard this before, but it's definitely an expression that people people say, you know, like maybe you bring up something or an artist and, um, you know, you don't get the response that you want and you say, oh, well, maybe you don't know it, but they're big in Japan or they're big in Europe or something like that. Um, that was just kind of a side comment I was making while listening to the lyrics of this. But I think if I'm going to kind of equate this this specific song to anyone i think it would be um well, who was it was it gary clark jr or Probably. or something uh they that did a cover of um come together by the beatles and that made its way onto um the justice league soundtrack or a trailer for that um i think that's who it was i'm I, not I super familiar but it's wrong. a classic song man um regardless and if i'm wrong i'm wrong but um that sounds almost exactly like the vibe that this is right now, um, which is kind of this not. Yeah, it's grunge. It's definitely grunge. But you hear the guitar um, kind of fleshed out a lot more yeah, than, yeah, yeah, yeah. than it's normally. It's definitely not Nirvana. It's definitely not Nirvana. And I don't think it wants to be. No, for sure. For sure. That's just usually what people jump to when you say grunge. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a grunge sound on a blues melody. Yeah. Right. 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 Which I think is the distinction. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, I think, I think, I think what you're saying, I think that's exactly what he's referencing because I think that that definitely is a thing with a lot of artists 
and it doesn't have to be Japan. Like a lot of artists get famous in like the UK or something. But sure, they're big in the more, UK. But that's that's straight more out of UK. That's like an Anglophone thing. So we're pretty tightly coupled with them, right? But if someone's famous in Japan, it means nothing to us, but it means a lot still. Yeah. And so, and the thing about Japan, I think what makes it interesting, and probably what they're trying to get at, is that like it's a completely different world, right? Like, uh, and it's just. You never know what's going to catch on necessarily right. because especially if you're not making it with that market in mind and they just embrace it, then you're just like, well, like people here don't like me, but I'm big over there. But I'm big there. And Take Transformers. I think that's kind of what he's, yeah, what, I think that's China, but yeah, close enough. Um, Fair. But anyway, um, I think that's kind of the whole thing with this, like, you know, I got the style, but not the grace. Like, you know, I don't have it all. I'm not famous here, but I'm famous somewhere. Right. And when he's talking about like the majority of the song he's talking about basically he he only has part of the picture right he's he's got the cards but he doesn't have the luck he's got uh the sizzle but he doesn't have the steak and he goes through just a bunch of those examples but after he talks about being big in japan in japan he's got the moon the cheese he's got the nation on their knees he's got the rooster the crow the ebb and the flow shout out to 311 but <laughs> Wow. <laughs> then he immediately jumps back into almost like the self-deprecating mode of like uh, you know talking like about half-assing it basically. almost almost like what he perceives himself as like he's only halfway to the success that he wants but in Japan they don't see that they see him as a whole successful and he has it for a moment he has it for like he has a piece the, of it yeah. he has a piece of it for that paragraph after he's in Japan essentially and then he's back to it the self-deprecation yeah I was gonna I was gonna mention that I'm glad you did because I, I was kind of intrigued by how he goes from like I had kind of have half of it and then all of a sudden he's like but I'm like a god yeah. <laughs> and he's like I've got it the nation's at my knees <laughs> it's probably it probably is like the struggle like when you're famous in kind of like a niche market that no one else knows about um, so you feel really good when you're there but then when you're out of there you kind of come back to reality yep you gotta come home sometime uh, and and staying on that blues note, let's jump right into the next one. I love blue notes. And uh, this one is called Filipino Box Spring Hog. It's from the same album, uh, Mule Variations. <laughs> Box spring hog, cooking up a Filipina box spring hog. 
Filipino box box spring hog another Brox. great uh, blues uh, blues track from Tom Waits from that same album Mule Variations and uh, I think it is a great little picture into rural Americana. Oh, nice. What about Filipino? <laughs> <laughs> I I mean a lot of the imagery there is very evocative of. You know, sort of the rural southern and southwestern areas. So what would rural Filipino Americana sound like if not for Tom Waits? Tom Waits? That's where you it's that's where it that's is. where you now, get I don't that think that there's any actual definition. Filipino influence. I think it's I think it's just a reference to the style of cooking. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's the style of cooking where you roast a pig and you essentially bury it in a pit on top of hot embers and you let it cook that way uh and the particular way that he's describing it cooking is uh on a box spring right which i don't think is the traditional filipino way i i think that's that (laughs) rural americana it's just whatever you got works um love a good box but yeah i I would say that one (laughs) definitely fits more into like what i'm expecting when i think of the blues um, it's it's very like I don't know hits hits everything. It's got the imagery that you normally expect from the. I mean, blues. You can hear the words. <laughs> you can. Hear the, words. <laughs> uh, the guitar is a little bit cleaner. Um, you can or see less distorted. the visual imagery though. But you, you can I smell that. That's the nice thing. You can actually get to a point where you're listening to Tom Waits and he's he's creating such a vivid visual picture for you that you can smell that. And so could the neighbors. So could the, the neighbors. Cooking and I from think, your speaker. And I think this is what Chuck was getting back to earlier in the the podcast, where he mentioned that Tom Waits is a great storyteller, and that's exactly what evokes those thoughts from you, right? It's his ability to tell a story with lyrics and music that makes you experience that environment, and that's really what people like. 
from my perspective, that's what I look for when it comes to listening to music most of the time. It's something for me where I can almost, I've used this phrase before on the podcast, where it's almost like you zone into the song. Mm-hmm. It's not like just it's zoning. It's not just like zoning, like you think of the term like, oh, you zoned out for a second. But really, when you think about it, you're zoning into the song. You're putting yourself in the story that the that the singer is portraying with his words and really he does a great job of that in this song yeah no for sure he captures the whole vibe you can almost smell that box spring hog yeah i don't know if it's good or bad and i can i don't know (laughs) if that's a good thing i can i can definitely picture the people there too (laughs) gathered around And the the few number of teeth that they have between. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just give you a hint: they ain't hockey players. <laughs> they ain't hockey players. Uh, but no, I, I like that. Um, I don't know. I just some of those lyrics are pretty brutal. Like, gotta slap that hog, roll him over twice. <laughs> I, 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 I love the slapping <laughs> sounds in the track. Oh yeah. <laughs> Straight <through. laughs> Because yeah. like, he's not it slapping sounds, the hog. Been working. It, it sounds like he's actually slapping a hog. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's not a clapping noise. Like it's a slapping well, noise. Well, let me let me just expound for you that idea where maybe he just brought a hog with him into the studio, puts it up to the mic. Honestly, <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah, he seems like a method musician. Um, another thing, though, going back to the whole storytelling thing, I think it's fascinating that like he evokes all this imagery and you kind of like see where he's going, but he's not really telling a story. Or maybe he is, and I just don't know what it is. But it's like it's not like the the previous one, you know, like the ballad, where it's like here's the beginning, here's the end, here's the progression. Sure. It's more just like here's what's happening right now, and there's not necessarily like a like a um, something to get out of it other than the the visceral imagery essentially yeah and i guess it just comes down to what you consider the story correct like this doesn't have really a progression yeah but it does it's still a story yes you're you're seeing a glimpse into this picture that he's painting and he's setting the scene for you and yes there's not necessarily a narrative with some sort of progression and, and a point per se, but it's a it's a snapshot. I well, guess. And I think it, that makes it even more impressive because it's a lot harder to do that. I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure in the context of the album too, it also probably fits in where it needs to. Yeah, I mean, the, stylistically, all of this stuff is very cohesive in this album. Mule variations. Um. So we're we've we've been through a lot, a, a big journey so far, and I only got two more for you. And we're gonna sort of round out the horn with two. We're gonna we're gonna bring the tempo back down a little bit. We're going to uh, li- listen to these next two songs, which I consider them both to be more folk inspired. They they fall more into that genre for me. Uh, they were both written for the same play, this play Alice, and they were released on the same the album of that same name, Alice. Um, but the first one we're gonna listen to is Lost in the Harbor. And we're gonna kick that off right Over here, ladies all want sweet perfume, but there's never a rose. And over there, roses are frightened to bloom. So they. 
over here they need wool for weaving their baby's new clothes and nobody has any wool and the sheep are Honestly, that song makes me kind of want to cry. Yeah, I was about to say that. I was definitely starting to feel like a well of tears. Like, it didn't really hit me until, like, the very last time he was singing. Like, the last two times when he said down to the harbor. Especially when he's like, I still have a couple more years. Exactly. And it's just, like, I literally felt tears coming through Mm -hmm. my eyes. And it was just, like, The metaphors. It also makes sense at the end, like, what the harbor is. Right, and so it kind of at the by the end you finally understand what it means, and you're like, dude, wow, you know, he's he's gone to the, what is it to the Gray Havens? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, what is that to the West? Shout out to yeah. Lord of the Rings. Shout out to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, as I, always. I think 
the the imagery it evokes of the over here and over there it's almost a uh grass is always greener right. sort of setup that he's visualizing here because so for example in the first line he says that over here all the ladies want sweet perfume and over there all the roses, that's where the roses are. Because over here, there's no roses and we want perfume. And over there, there are roses, but they're too afraid to bloom. They're too frightened to bloom. And so it's like, you know, this side wants the roses, but even over there, the roses aren't growing because they're frightened. Now, now let me actually ask so, you a question. Say the same thing in a different way. Exactly. <laughs> but what if he's not really talking about roses it's a metaphor exactly a metaphor metaphor. so where where he's not necessarily like you of course can get the picture like oh well they're he's talking about the fact that they have the roses and that's what they're using to send these perfumes right but really he could also be talking about people like over there there's these pure like people who haven't necessarily seen this more as like a a way for them to improve themselves and be like, oh, like, let me wear this as a perfume so other people, like, so I can smell good. Whereas these people just, like, are naturally, like, growing as roses. Except, good. except they're not. The roses aren't growing cause because they're, they're scared. Too afraid. Right. Maybe right. that, maybe it's because they're too afraid to be good people or something. I don't know. No, no, I'm I, to, that's true. I'm trying to save like the analogy sides, here. Both sides are missing something, right? Yes. And so the people want the roses, but the roses need something else also. And so when everyone's missing something, then nobody gets what they want, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I think the line that sort of sums up the whole thing is that these, these two sides are separated and you don't really understand what the separation is until the line where he says, and the wall won't come down till they're no longer afraid of themselves. So right. he's talking, there's a wall there. Shout out to Pink Floyd. Yes. True. Shout out to shout Trump. Out to, shout out. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Uh, I can't. Um, <laughs> we may have to edit that out. <laughs> so, uh, till they're no longer afraid of themselves. We may have to which, kill us. Which implies... <laughs> Which implies that this is a wall, essentially a fear, and that you won't be able to bring that wall down without until you're roses. able to you can't, stop well, being afraid. Right, you can't bloom until you're not afraid anymore, right. right? And then other people can use whatever it is that you're offering, like your talent or whatever. You know, you could think about like music, right? Like maybe there's some awesome person who's trying to make music, but they're too scared or whatever, and I need that music. You know, but if you're too afraid of music, I can never hear it. Yeah. If you're too afraid to music, what am I saying? <laughs> if you're f- too afraid to make it. Anyway, that's pretty if simple. It's a verb if you're now. too afraid to make music, how can we listen into it? And, and critique it, yeah. Exactly. Um, it's a metaphor. But yeah, also, maybe the, maybe the wall is just like being alive. Like maybe you can truly not be afraid until you are no longer have skin in the game. I mean that's that's a good that's, that's I like fair. that critique that's I like fair. that idea it's because valid. when he comes back to the harbor then everything's cool again yeah that's it's he's not some, risking as much it's definitely some really interesting uh, interesting so my question he's still alive right Tom Waits yeah yeah so th- uh, when was this made this was made in I think two thousand um, let me let me look up the exact date. 
I think, uh, let me see, I think it's 2002. Um, but anyway, my only point was that he was just like, I still have a couple more years. Yeah, 18, 18 years later. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm still not down to the harbor. I'm not saying it's still a bad thing. Still not made it to the harbor yet. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing that he, he hasn't died, but I'm just saying. Yeah. That, he like, hasn't made the to way the way He sings yet. it with such conviction, you think he's on his deathbed. Maybe yeah. he did think he was. And, and I think that's one of the really significant thing about Tom Waits. It's everything he's singing... It really sounds like he's singing this from, from a, place, a personal, a place of very personal conviction, a place of very deep, you know, meaning. He's feeling it. He's feeling it. Everything that he does, whether it's the sort of weird eccentric, the blues, the fast talking jazz, you know, the folk stuff. It there's so much emotion and so many varied emotions, but you believe. You believe everything that he sings and everything that he says because, you know, his spirit is in it. Right. And what we're learning from Tom Waits is not only is he a good songwriter or music artist, just like singer and stuff like that. He's great at telling these stories from a perspective like what makes a great storyteller is the fact that you can picture the story they're saying because they're saying it in such a way that it's so believable it's like it's meaningful so you can feel meaningful. the emotion you can feel them putting themselves yeah. mm-hmm. into the story and they're like this is me this is me talking from a level of vulnerability almost where he's showing you this side of himself where he's making himself vulnerable to you the audience where he goes from fast fast talking car salesman to just being completely vulnerable and waiting to die, basically. Exactly. So I I think that's a a great time to transition into the final song that I want to discuss. Um, We might have a bonus one in there. But uh, the final one that I wanted to discuss um, and and bring up is from the same album, from the album Alice. Uh, And I'm a little biased on this one. This one is one of my favorites, but uh, it's called I'm Still Here.
Wow, that song for me, I I'm not gonna lie, as we're listening to it here, I literally was just staring at the wall and I completely zoned and into the song. Like it literally just like took me to a different place. Just not only the style of the piano he was playing that softly accompanied the way he spoke and the way he just his delivery on it was so relaxing and soothing almost to the mind where you could just feel this emotion, this not intense emotion, but enough where it just stuck in your mind. Like it's, a, it's intense it, melancholy. Exactly. Man. It it almost to me it almost feels like tired emotion. Yeah. Like the end of the day. Like the power the powerful emotions, like the big waves of emotion, but at their when they're just washing up on shore and you're getting that little ebb of them. Like it's the same emotion. But it's coming in waves. But it's coming in waves and you're not at the peak. This is the the wave you know, rushing up on the shore and sort of starting to pull back out. And and you really feel that in the way he's singing it. And it, and in the lyrics too, I mean the the takeaway that I get from this is essentially he's singing about, you know, uh, a lost love, whether his love, uh, the, the person that he loved, you know, died or whether they, you know, were separated for other reasons. Um, but I, I think the really poignant thing is that whole thing right at the end. You know, the you haven't looked at me this way in years. I mean, that can mean a couple of things, right? It can mean that they're together, but in a bad relationship because she hasn't looked at him in this special way. It could mean that she's died and that they she's not able to look at him that way. Um, and it could mean that they were separated in, in some way. But that line at the end, but I'm still here. That's I, I think that is that's a really powerful imagery for that kind of emotional journey. It's it's also tying into him a little more where it's more it it's allowing you to see this side of him where he's he's come to the point that he just is like I I'm not worried about what's in the future i'm not worried about what's in the past i'm living like right now i'm gonna be here now i'm gonna do what i can now he may have regrets about what he's done in the past he may not be certain about what's going on in the future but he's gonna control like what he can control and just be here now or at least exist exactly mm-hmm. I never thought I would say it, but uh, he kind of has like a really like beautiful voice in the context of this song, which ironically enough, I feel like he usually intentionally tries to not have like a particular, like his voice is like, you can recognize it, but it's not like soothing, generally Mm -hmm. speaking. And this is like as about as soothing as it gets. So yeah, I think where it really shines is the fact that and we touched on this a little earlier it's just that raw authenticity that he has it sounds it doesn't sound like you're hearing a produced song it's not auto-tuned it it sounds like maybe you're you know sitting in a an old like cabin lodge in a common area 
and a, with a fire and a, with a fire going and a tired old man comes in and sits down at the piano and is just sort of plinking away like waiting for someone just waiting for someone or just you know waiting reminiscing about his time and and you just you hear that raw sort of emotion and I don't know if when he wrote this, if it was purely just for the play that he was writing it for or if he was channeling some other experiences in his life. But whatever the case may be, you hear the authenticity of of his words and the way he's singing them. And it's just it's raw and it's it's as Chuck said, it's beautiful. It's it's comforting too. just that whole idea that he is just still. Like, I mean, there. Uh, honestly, it kind of, the way he is, like, talking in, in his lyrics, it kind of almost sounds like it could be an inanimate object almost, too. Um, or, or that he is, like, an inanimate object or something. Because, it, 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 like, you dreamed me up and left me here. Like, it kind of makes me feel like how stuff... Like, you know, like Toy Story or something, you know, like you have a toy that you always played with and then like you just never played with it again. And like that's like the song the toy would sing. It could fit in like Toy Story or something. Yeah, you know? I, I could. That could definitely that. fit Toy Story. And that's, I think that's a, <laughs> it could. I mean, that's the premise of Toy Story. <laughs> right. I, no, but it almost sounds like music that they would use like um, for, for Jesse, like the cowgirl. Yes, yes. Like it's almost so like I, the same thing. I think the imagery that it evokes for me is is this imagery of so like say that this person that she was the one pushing him into music or pushing him to do something and he does it because she's pushing him into it and she's encouraging him and and driving it and then she's gone right so and so you she dreamed him up in the sense that she was sort his of the driving force, his inspiration, his muse, and then she left him there, whether, you know, per, in a permanent sense or like voluntarily or involuntarily, whatever. We, we talked a little bit about that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that that's what that evokes for me. No, I, I totally agree. And actually, when you were saying that, all I could think of was the, um, Fry's dog from Futurama. Yep. When he leaves it <laughs> out there. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it, but if you've never Spoilers. seen it, <laughs> yeah, Seymour Fry's dog. It's it's really depressing. I think this it's could be his depressing. song. This could be his song as well. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of different angles, and that's one of my favorite things about music, and especially artists like this, where they just allow a song to be interpreted in a billion different ways and leave it open ended, but they give you enough that you have something to grab onto. And uh, the, in fact, by not telling you what it's about, it makes it a better song. Because now it applies to everybody and not just like a specific group of people. And that's always something I love to see. Yeah. Uh, and, and sort of to wrap things up a bit, I know at the beginning I mentioned that I thought that Tom Waits is, you know, kind of underrated. Um, but I, I don't want to give the impression that he doesn't have accolades uh, and he doesn't have recognition because he certainly does. He's just not I would say a mainstream artist. So, certainly not making pop music. So, right? for so. example, like he has a cult following, like people who are like you, like me. <laughs> I'm part of his cult. Uh, um, but he he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
He was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall impressive. of Fame. Uh, he was on Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest songwriters of all time. Um, he definitely seems like an iconic songwriter at the very he, least. He has a really large filmography. As I mentioned before, he's done a lot of music for Ford Francis Coppola in addition to doing acting uh, in uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs for one uh, prominent example. And, I mean, 17 albums. He's had several biographies written about him. Um, there's there's a lot of influence, even if you weren't, weren't aware of Tom Waits up to this point. I would bet that you've come across some media or some musicians that have been influenced by Tom Waits. If not, you know, straight up uh, hearing some of his media or seeing him in uh, a movie or, or TV show and just not knowing who he is. So I, I think that that is... Uh, Worth noting. Yeah, I mean, after this episode, you'll probably start seeing them pop up everywhere. Yeah, I'm it's, sure that's it's about to happen to me. There's there's that effect. Yeah, when you first learn about something, suddenly you'll start seeing it everywhere. Um, and and one more note I want to make about his music, I, I think it really makes me feel nostalgic for a time that I never knew. That's always an interesting conundrum. I think that's a really good way to sum up his music is is lusting after a time you never had, but yeah. have no idea why you're doing it. That's, <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty the, good. That's why nostalgia is such a problem because you can it can really take over in bad ways. Well, I'm not saying this is bad. Sure, no, that's, it, it that's, like I mean, there's a reason they call it, you know. Uh, the the rose colored glasses you know you look back at some of your history and you remember fondly the nice things and not necessarily the bad things right and I think covering his music his music definitely evokes some of the bad things that were happening in those sort of times it's not a a whitewashed portrayal of the time no it's for it's, sure it's raw yeah. uh, I think another thing to add on to that. Um, it's just that I think the reason why it, it makes you feel nostalgic for something that you never experienced is because there's something in all of these that you can relate to. So even if you didn't experience what he's talking about, there's still something in there that you're able to relate to something that's happened in your life. And that's why, uh, even though you're not necessarily nostalgic for that specific thing, it kind of ties it up in a nice package for you of just pure nostalgia, which is great and terrible. And that's what music's about. Yeah. And it's like feeling. It's like exa- it's exactly like what we talked about in that Voids episode with Daryl, where nostalgia has so much power, and how we feel about certain things gives music even more power. The nostalgia music can create gives it more power. Music itself creates nostalgia by just. Or at least it evokes it. Well, exactly. Where you can be in a certain place. Like you're at the top of the world and you're just like having a great time. In Japan. Exactly. In Japan. And you just hear a local like Japan coffee house theme. And then whenever you hear that theme, you think back on those great times. You have that nostalgia. You're building your own nostalgia on top of it. Right. Exactly. It's, It's more the music of whatever area, whatever was happening, whatever that great time was. And then whenever you hear that song, it creates this nostalgia that you just takes you back to that time. Yeah, music and sense have very strong connections to memories. And yeah, I think if there's uh, uh, some sort of memorable event or place or a feeling 
that it can easily become associated with a song. And I, I think, as we were all mentioning, the, the odd thing about Tom Waits's music is you get that feeling without having the original memory. Right, exactly. He gives you his memory. It actually never happened. Yeah, you, you, you get you know someone else's memory. We never memory. lived any of this, but we feel it as if we did. Yeah. And and I think that that's powerful. I think that's powerful, and I think that's why Tom White's is significant. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, definitely he, have to concur. He's not quite on Julian Casablanca's level, but all right, and I give him four memory, out of five so Julians. Well, <laughs> four out of five Julians. With that reference in there, so yeah, that's the end of the uh, material I had prepared. I hope it was uh, as interesting of an experience for you guys as it was for me i was very happy to be able to share no yeah, it's, it's been a great with it's been guys. a great deep dive i'll definitely be listening to more tom waits well actually if you guys don't mind there's one more tom waits song i would like to get into well we Just, gotta we gotta give it to him right gotta give right? it to the fans a- out exactly. all right this is the encore this <laughs> is the encore no don't one worry, asked guys. for but we all knew we wanted <laughs> yeah we'll edit it out don't worry <laughs> we'll edit this yeah, encore out <laughs> all right well next up is our encore little drop of poison well more like his encore This is the only Tom Waits song I knew. If it didn't play, I would be so pissed. I'm like, the white song! The white I like my town With a little drop of poison Nobody knows They're lining up to go insane I'm all alone Smoke my friends down to the filter But I feel much cleaner after it rains And she left in the fall That's a picture on the wall She always had that little drop of poison Remember when a million was a million 
picture on the wall She always said that little talk of poison And she left in the farm That's a picture on the wall She always had that little drop of poison Is it bad that I could totally see that song being played like during Prohibition? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Some, some guy gets like pulled aside from the bar and like beaten the hell out of it and thrown it, it out. Is, it is a very evocative little vignette that tells a story and brings you to a time that you haven't been. Now, what is an evocative vignette? So these are um, big words. What is this? <laughs> so uh, for something to be evocative, it's something like, for instance, you would say that evokes an emotion. So right, it's something right. that like brings out something. So, it was more the vignette. I so was a vignette, a, a vignette is like a little uh, picture. Almost, it's like it's, it's a, like picture a picture on the wall. It's like a picture. A vignette is like a picture, but it's it's more. Uh, in depth, it's it's more of a representation. It's not specifically like a, a picture, right? So, like a vignette could be it's like a mental picture. Yeah, it, it could be uh, many different things. It's it's a little more. So when I say it's an evocative vignette, it's a fancy way of saying that it's, it's a, a picture that makes me feel things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and actually, that's, that's I, a good way of summing it up. I love I love the yeah. pictures he creates in this song like that first line when he's talking about how he smoked all his friends down to the fi- like yep. it That's literally all fits so perfectly no, and also another also uh the rat always knows when he's with weasels he's <laughs> yep. like you know like i'm a rat but i can smell a weasel <laughs> but you people are weasels <laughs> it's like though i may no, be rat, oh, at least i'm not as bad as those weasels all around but exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like you were saying evocative imagery in here, and, and uh, it's that, it's beautiful. That's what makes this song for me. Like honestly, this is my probably my favorite Tom Waits song. I mean, it's where, a classic. It's really where good. I, he really uses everything we've discussed, all his all his abilities with his vocals, with his storytelling it all comes together here in a beautiful way so that he he creates not only this mental picture for you but he's putting in all these lyrically to me it's very lyrically clever the way he's setting up these pictures setting up these different scenarios to say the same thing in a different way (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i love how his voice it sounds like he just got run over by a car and he can he's like wheezing it out (laughs) without like actually wheezing but he's like barely has any life left in him but he still has soul well and he's remembering on his deathbed this day when a million was a million now, back in my day, that's what we really knew. We knew when a million was a million, then four hundred dollars was three fifty. So maybe, maybe this might put <laughs> some right. this might put some words to your 350. thoughts. But uh, famously, Tom Waits' voice was described as sounding like it was soaked in a vat of bourbon, left hanging in the smokehouse for a few months, and then taken outside and run over with a car. <laughs> hey! It's not just me. It's not, it's not I just know me. I detected car run over. <laughs> I know what a car run, uh, 
run, run victim songs. <laughs> I got one of my own in the back. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this will edit that out. <laughs> this will come out for a few weeks. So I, <laughs> we can yeah. edit that out. We'll have plausible deniability. Enough time to get out of the country. But no, yeah, <laughs> it's been nice to do a deep dive, kind of see how he's progressed. We've gone from the 70s to the 2000s, um, and that is uh, fascinating. It's very interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking out more of his stuff. Um, yeah, if, if there's anything that I can do to encourage and basically to, for, to ask the, the listeners, what I'm, and you guys as well, since it's a lot of your first exposures at Tom Waits, I really hope that this dive has exposed you to the range of styles and emotions that Tom Waits has in his music. And I really hope that you'll uh, give him a shot, check him out, add some of his stuff to your playlists. Uh, because, I mean, we barely scratched the surface of what he has. And 17 albums. Yeah, 17 albums. Every song is a unique treasure. Some of them are not easy listening because he does a lot of experimental stuff that's not meant to be Listen, easy enjoyable, listening. yeah. It's not meant to be enjoyable because he's, I mean, in the end... He makes the music that he wants to make. And that's what we want from artists. That's yeah. great. And what, that's when what they're at their best. Else, what else could we ask for from an artist than for them to make the music that they want to make? Not the music that the public wants from them, but the music that they want to make. Right. I would say make something listenable. Yeah, I True. gotta agree with Andrew there. I, no, I, 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 want, want some, I want an artist to make want, a song that I can listen I'm to. Not this hasn't we been want something by the that has we can listen into. No, but I would, just say, lyrical I would just say, as someone who's listened to Death Grips for a bit, sometimes you can take it too far. <laughs> well, I, get, I, it's, I think, you're laying the framework for something great. I think, I think an artist's truest form of expression may not be the most accessible. No, I, I, and it I does, agree. And I don't think people have to feel pressured to like things just because it's what the artist wanted. You, There's plenty of, of artistic and, uh, you know, there's a lot of different mediums of art. There's plenty of art where, you know, I'm sure it's that artist's true artistic form. It doesn't mean I have to like it. Not, no, all, it art, not all art is made for everyone, and especially if an artist is making art for themselves – Take it or leave it, right? Don't feel bad. Shout out resonate. to the strokes. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad. Take it or leave Austin's it. Austin's about to murder Stevens. <laughs> don't. Uh, we'll begin our own murder trilogy. Yeah, don't, right? don't feel bad if it doesn't resonate, but you have to respect the craft. The craft. Yeah, yeah. You have to respect the You craft. know what? After this episode, Austin might write a murder trilogy about how he murdered each one of us and say it in a different song. <laughs> But, no, I I was mostly playing devil's advocate when I said that because I totally agree. I mean, I guess from my perspective, I like them to make music that I like. But at sure, the same yeah. time, you need to do – you need to make what you want to make because if you make what other people want to make, then it will be trash. So you, you won't, that's basically You it. won't have that same level of emotion and of authenticity that exactly. we heard in the music that we were listening to today. Exactly. So it's always like do what you can do and if I like it, great. If yeah. I don't. Hey, as long right. as you like the music you make, that's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. From Unless you want to be commercially successful. Unless you want to be commercially successful. Tom Waits managed to do both. Money. Yeah. <laughs> he managed, he managed to, to, to do his own thing and to be commercially successful. So with that said, though, I think it's time to wrap up here. Yeah. Right? So first Any of all, final thoughts? Yeah. I'm good on my end. I think we've kind of thoroughly 
you know. I think we've run him over with a car. Run him over and then back, <laughs> back to back over him. And then bag the body. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> so I, I will say the, I really only listened to a couple of Tom Waits songs before this, but since we've done this deep dive, I actually do appreciate his range. He does have a nice variety of stuff, which I wasn't really expecting. Because the couple of songs I had heard, I had listened... To, you pigeonholed them. I, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I had listened for songs which I liked, like the last one we wrapped up with, like Little Drop of Poison. And I had looked kind of for songs similar to that, and a lot of what I had heard was similar to that. So that's what I was thinking we were getting into. But I was very pleasantly surprised with what we experienced today. Yeah, I mean, I would say pretty much the same. I'm vaguely familiar with him, but you definitely put us onto some bangers, so I will probably make a Tom Waits playlist. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I was, uh, thanks for having me on the show, yeah, guys. No, thanks, I, yeah, thanks I really for coming appreciate on. it. Yeah, it's thanks been for also listening nice, in with us. It's been nice to switch up the format a bit. No, we'll play around with this a bit, because I, I think there's some something to it. Um, but yeah, and listeners, if you like this format, contact <laughs> the the good good boys here, Chuck and Steve, uh, in the Listening In podcast, and let them know what worked and what doesn't. So and yeah, the can, way they can continue making quality content that you want to listen to, right? Exactly. And the way you do that is by like reaching out, <laughs> yes, and reaching out to us on either our Instagram, which is Listening In Podcast, all lowercase, or our Twitter, which is underscore Listening or an underscore. Or you could leave us a voice message on Anchor and let us know your comments and concerns yeah. and opinions you have. Yeah, there should be a link in the episode very, to do that. Very, very much appreciated. Did you guys stop the uh, carrier pigeon service? Uh, was, that, sure. was that a, a quarantine shutdown thing? I, yeah. I they think were spreading pigeons, the virus. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, also, I just want to say, yeah, thanks to Ben for coming on here. He's kind of been... Um, putting us on a new level so that's appreciative and uh thanks to austin for also coming on and giving us some input um, welcome back to the show of course yeah yeah, to be yeah it's back. been a while it's been a while like two years it's so. been a while <laughs> your no, boy's really, been in exile yeah. <laughs> it has honestly been like two years yeah it's craziness but yeah so with that said um this has been chuck steven austin ben thanks again for listening in We're like another Tom we know. Tom Petty. Tom who doesn't wait. And he's free. Name another Tom Petty song. (laughs) You want me to stop? (laughs) Name another Tom Petty song. Last dance for Mary Jane. Not you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Last dance for 